Hey, everybody, welcome to the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast, a conversation designed to help leaders go further, faster. I'm Andy Stanley, and I'm excited about this month's podcast because I get to be the host, which means I get to ask the questions. And in the studio today with me is my friend Chris McChesney, the co-author of The Four Disciplines of Execution. It's been a bestseller for almost six years now. Welcome to the studio, Chris. I am having so much fun. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, Chris says that because you this morning we started with a breakfast and we invited the business community, and you're such a draw. We had a thousand People show up at 7 a.m. Andy invites people to come to breakfast, and a thousand people shows up, show up. That, I, I know, know who shows up for me. Well, I, it was it really was amazing. I made one announcement a few weeks ago, and we sent out one email, and it was full. So this morning was so much fun. And then Chris spent an hour or so with our, our staff. So we, we've had a, a really fun day together. But let me tell you a little bit about Chris in case you don't know. He's the co-author of The Four Disciplines of Execution. This book's been out how many years? About, seven years about now. seven years. It continues to be a bestseller. It's an extraordinary book on strategy. I'll let him talk about that in a minute. Um, part of his day job, he's the global practice leader of execution for Franklin Covey, an organization we're all familiar with and has intersected most of our lives as leaders at some point along the way. But the reason I'm so excited about having Chris in the studio is about six months ago, um, our staff, our leadership team read the four disciplines of execution. And um, like most leaders, and we're going to talk about this, strategy is one thing. Execution is a whole nother thing. You know, we walk out of our planning meetings and the whiteboards are full and we're all taking pictures of the whiteboards. We're going to do all this stuff. And like most leaders, then we all go back to work. We talked about that on the podcast before. So I felt the need, like a lot of us do, for a strategy for execution. Don't tell me what to do. We know what to do. How do we get it done? So again, about six months ago, we read the book. Um, So we're about five months into actually implementing this strategy. So when I thought about this uh, marketplace breakfast, I thought, who should we have? And somebody said, I wonder if we could get Chris McChesney, I'm like, I don't know if he travels or speaks. I don't know where he lives. And then we found out he lives about 25 minutes from here. So anyway, so today is more than just content. This is content that we are in the process in our organization of embracing and implementing. So to have you in the studio, And doing Chris, a heck of a job, by the way. I was, that was so fun. And oh, talking you, to the staff. Oh, and your staff. I, I, I was telling your team. I know leaders that would give their left arm to have the kind of talent and energy that you had in that room. It was, I don't know what you've done from a recruitment and talent standpoint, <laughs> and I guess purpose is a huge part of it, but holy cow, that was, I was not prepared for that. Well, that's super encouraging, especially as we're at Discover, because you and your organization have worked with some remarkable companies, some world-class Fortune 100 companies around the world. So to have you here and to have you say it about us, appreciate it. And, and my secret, I always say this on our podcast, the secret is I just stay in my lane and hope somebody <laughs> yeah, else will come fill up the other lanes, you know? And if you stay in your lane, uh, you know, people show up to you know, help you get to the finish well, they line. they showed so, up. Yeah, they, I, I feel like they have. So let's, um, let's dive in and let's, if you would, begin by kind of giving us an overview of, you know, how did these four principles of execution, where did they come from? What led your organization to, to end up with execution as opposed to strategy? Right. Because so many books, so much of our education is around strategy versus execution. So, yeah, well, well, Ram Sharan um, is kind of a friend of our organization. Some some of your listeners will know that name and famous Harvard business professor. And he really pushed us on this topic. That and and he wrote a book on it um, about twenty years ago. 
and just kind of introduced the topic, but really wanted Franklin Covey to dig in and really come up with a framework, kind of a universal framework for helping organizations focus and execute. Mm -hmm. And it was so, his argument was so compelling that our, next to the seven habits of highly effective people, we've put more energy into this topic than anything that we've done. And the more energy we put into it, the deeper it goes. It's, and it's a huge felt need. Right. And again, talk a little bit about, as you did this morning with, with uh, the, the marketplace leaders in the room, the, the tension between strategy and execution and why we so front load on strategy and, and why things just disappear. I mean, you know, all these <sighs> initiatives, all these things we spend money on and market, and then we wake up one day and, <laughs> and we say, hey, whatever happened to? And we never decided to stop doing it. It just... Somehow in organizational life, it just evaporates. Why is that? Well, and it's interesting because it's happening to everybody and nobody likes to talk about it. It's this one universal dilemma that people are a little bit embarrassed about. Like, we're okay with struggling with certain things, but we don't, like, as leaders, we're not okay on this one. Yeah. Like, these people it's work embarrassing. for us. Yeah, it's right. embarrassing. Yeah, I brought it up. Right. And then I let it disappear. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and we ought to, you know, and, and what we've found, and we, we took us a little while to put our finger on this, but there is this one human dynamic that seems to be at the root of everything. And it's this, it's this tendency that human beings have to move towards urgency. It's, it's hard to see how that affects execution. But what ends up happening is that the day job always carries more yep. urgency cachet yep. than anything you can, unless you're in dire crisis. Yep. And every once in a while, we'll have a leader say, we're good at executing in a crisis. Well, yeah, congratulations. Well, yeah. That's just the more Everybody urgency. is, right? <laughs> yeah, it's having a gun at your head, yeah. right? But the ability to put energy against something that's not urgent, like we lose our minds just in the moment we have to talk ourselves into working on the most important project of the year just because it's not on fire. Wow, yeah. And in the book, one of the, the metaphors you use is the idea of the whirlwind. Talk right. a little bit about that, and then we'll jump into yeah, the that's, disciplines. So that's the name we gave to all of the urgent stuff happening for everything you have to do every day just to maintain the operation. We, we, we decided it needed a name, and we called it the whirlwind. And, and it's, it's what's keeping you alive but it's really good at rejecting things. And so when you talk to leaders about the big messes, the big implementations that never made it, it's, it's always the same answer. It was slowly suffocated by the, by the day job. Yep. And that, 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 that tension right there is really the foundation for everything that we've done in the four disciplines. How do you execute on something in the face of that whirlwind? That's because the, the whirlwind, that's the not only is it not going to go away, it actually can't go no. away because it's what we do, it's how we produce things, it's, it's what we're known for, it's all those things. But at the same time, if that's all there is, um, suddenly the organization is running us. We're no longer in control of the organization. Perfectly said. So the four disciplines are really they're discovered. Nobody invented these. Like right. so much of what Stephen Covey did for us all those years ago, he basically unearthed and, and exactly. found um, principles. This is just how the way the world works. You can work with it, you can work against it, but you can't break it. It'll That's just right. break you. And so these four disciplines of execution, they're, they're so fantastic. So if you would, in this first conversation, we're going to do this for a couple of months together, um, just to kind of give us an overview of the four, and then uh, we'll go from there. All right. So the first of the four revolves around the principle of focus. And it's really, we, it's called focus on the wildly important. And the discipline revolves around 
the, the ability to pull that one thing out of the whirlwind, that one thing that you know it isn't going to happen unless we get people's hearts and minds bought in. Like, if I can do it with money, buy it. Yeah, write the right, check. Right. If I can change a policy, a program, if, if there's some other way you can get this done that doesn't require the hearts and minds of the people, do it. But if it's going to require a significant change in behavior— that's what the first discipline is about. It's about identifying that, giving it a starting line, a finish line, and a deadline. And that sounds really simple. But if you're a leader of more leaders and you have multiple teams reporting to you. So hard. It's so hard. And, and, and so the discipline is really about how you translate your strategic bottleneck into the fewest number of executable targets for those frontline teams. That body of work is what the first discipline, can we get it from a concept, right, to a finish line at the front line? So one of the questions in the book, and I'm not going to quote this exactly right, but it, it sits in two or three places yep. to keep in front of me because I thought it was so helpful with this first discipline, is what is the one thing, the way I wrote it down, is what is the one thing that would change everything? That's it. If we could, what is the one thing in my organization or division or department or, you know, franchise, whatever you're doing, what's the one thing if behaviorally or whatever it might be, if we, if this could change or happen, it would have maybe an exponential effect in terms of everything else in the organization. But answering that question is difficult. But when you get it, it's gold, yeah. right? So this is that. And people like to skip this first discipline, not completely skip it, but just sort of assume, oh, oh, the first discipline's about goals. Well, we know what our goals are. Let's go to discipline two. Yep. And we're saying, ah, 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 there's lots of metrics that have to be maintained in the whirlwind. The first discipline, like Andy said, it's, it's what's that one thing that's going to make all the difference to everything else that we're going to apply a special treatment against. Yep. Doesn't mean we don't do the other stuff. But this one, in healthcare, they talk about taking an issue to intensive care. Hmm. We're going we're gonna to put this in the intent because we're going to do different things with this issue than, and this, this result than we do with the others. It's going to get a special treatment. And then you talk about, and this is, again, this is part of the challenge, is taking what begins as a concept or a general goal and reducing it to this formula. And for us and our organization, because we're a nonprofit, we're not supposed to be about numbers. We're supposed yes. to be about hearts and lives and people, which we are. But anything can be reduced in a positive, helpful, um, proactive way to, uh, th to this formula that you give in the books. So talk a little bit about that because it, it's, it's so powerful. It, it's almost, we've started referring to it as the language of execution. This formula. This formula. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's starting line, finish line, deadline. And, it, and it, what it requires you to do is to pick a measurement, a way to measure you know, uh, we talk about John F. Kennedy's goal of, you know, putting a man on the moon by the end of the decade and returning him safely home. You can hear which was in line. contrast yes. to what came before. Talk a little bit about that. I thought that yeah. was so helpful this so morning. It's a really good example because people can relate to it. Before Kennedy said "man on the moon," the goal was to lead the world in space exploration. That was NASA's goal. That was NASA's goal, and 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 in the context of the of the Cold War, it was absolutely critical and it was unquestioned. Lead the world in space exploration. All the countries of the world yeah. were looking at this. Yes, which means what? Right, and there were fifteen metrics for what it meant, and nobody at knew. At NASA, at NASA, we wow. put, put them in the book. And so this is what people's strategic plans look like, these broad platitudes with a whole bunch of metrics underneath. And, and you'll even hear leaders say, do you have your goals and your measures? Like, they're two different things. Mm. And Kennedy shows up, 
And he just does this line in the sand. He ignored all that. Yeah. He just <laughs> just picked one. He just made it up. This, you know, this is what we tell leaders. And, and, and I'm sure there was somebody at NASA that was arguing and saying, well, that doesn't give us everything that's in these 15 metrics. And he didn't care. It's like most of it's going to come along for the ride. Don't worry about it. Wow. We, we put a man on the moon. As a matter of fact, he wanted to go to Mars. Oh, that, really? Yeah. So, like, he was, that's the first thing he did. He said inside, and they were like, relaxed. And, you yeah. know, I know you're this, <laughs> I know you're this very handsome young Let's president. Let's go to the close one first. Yeah, they're going to talk about it for decades. It's going to yeah. be a big deal, John. Yeah. So put a, put him in, but there was a date, so it was— By the end of the decade. Yeah, and return. That, you and said yeah, that was important. Yeah, that was important for recruiting. Yeah, yeah it was hard yeah. to recruit astronauts <laughs> if there wasn't a return trip. So so the formula is—give us the formula. X, X— Yeah, X to Y by when, or, if you like, starting line, finish line, deadline. And leaders think they're clear until they have to answer that and question. I don't want us to go by that too fast because most people are yep. driving or doing yep. something else, mowing the grass while they listen to yep. us today. X— to why, by when, X to why, by when. And when I first saw this, again, in the world we live in, I thought, I don't know if we can reduce what we're trying to do at a nonprofit to that formula. But we pushed and pushed and pushed. And when we found it, you've seen what's happened in our it's, staff. It's fantastic. People lit up and went to work. So X to Y by when, or the other and way you, you don't said need it. And you don't need a lot of flowery language or starting line, finish line, deadline, whichever yep. works for you. Yep. But we spend so much time talking past each other and, and, and talking conceptually. It's very hard to execute on a concept. And forcing mm. an organization to say, yeah, there's all these metrics we have to maintain and there's all these investments we have to make and there's all this stuff, but what's our moonshot? Like, yep. what's that one thing, and can we put it in X to Y by when? And it's not the macro objective. It's a subcomponent, right? That's, it's mm-hmm. not, you know, if you're a business, it's not EBITDA because EBITDA yep. includes everything. everything yep. You haven't narrowed mm-hmm. your focus. It's what Andy said. It's one thing that's going to make the difference on everything else. And the way we stumbled into this as an organization, as we talked about earlier, is one of our staff members who oversaw not all of our preschool area, a part of our preschool area. We were struggling with uh, volunteer retention. She read the book, and she said, well, here's my little sphere of influence. I'm going to implement this execution strategy in my sphere of influence. And there was, you know, within months, there was results. So, again, this isn't at the macro level. In fact, you even encourage organizational leaders. Yes. Pick an area, pick yes. a division, learn this routine before you tease it out to the whole or release it to the whole organization. Okay. The so key to the many is the one. Yeah, we love. Right. And, and, and the way this really shows up, if you're an executive team, don't keep this at your level. Yeah, right. do the work at the senior level, but then but then go down and, 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 and roll up your sleeves and, and see what it looks like at the micro. This stuff really sings very close to the front line. You, you, until you get it to the front line, you don't know what you have. That's... Uh, yeah, and again, some of our listeners are thinking right now, how in the world do we do that? So let's keep okay, going. Well, so that yeah, was discipline number one. Right? Discipline number two is? Act on the lead measures. Yes, yeah, so talk about lead and lag. That's that, that's not new termino- terminology for a lot of people, but for some it would be. And we put, a uni- we put a particular spin on it. 
So it's not just cause and effect in our language. Lag measures are synonymous with whatever the wildly important goal is. Because we've got the wildly important goal in the X to Y by when format, it's inherently a metric as well. And there might be the big metric and there are sub battles and and then the teams at the front line have their wigs. Those are all lagging measures. And by wig, that's the wildly important goal. Yes, sorry. Yeah, Yeah, we hadn't talked about that yet. Yeah, we just used the term to differentiate it from other metrics you might have in the whirlwind. The wildly important goal. Right. Because right. all the goals are important. Right. Which is part of the problem. So anyway. Yep. So and, yeah. and, and, and it's going to get that special treatment, and that's your lag measure. And then at the team level, and I say team, I mean the people that are doing the work, what are, it's usually just a couple of lead measures. Think think if weight loss was the lag, mm-hmm. number of diet, number of calories burned, you know, calories eaten, right? Diet and exercise would be the lead measures. Things you can actually do Effect. and measure. And yep. that's key. It's it's things that the team can actually, by putting energy and effort against and focus against them, we can move these lead measures. Lead measures are influenceable by the team, and they're predictive of the outcome. And they sort of set up a, like a bet or a scenario. Sometimes organizations call it the strategic bet for the team. Hmm. We're betting that by doing this, and boy, we saw some good ones. Um, we, we With Andy's teams, we, we put three up on the board, mm-hmm. and one of them was so good, I, I took a picture of it, and I'm going to use it. Yes, Every once in a while, there. I find a good example. Your operations team and, nailed that. And to hit pause for a second, I was so proud because operations, I mean, what could they, I mean, because when we first launched this, right. X to Y by when, um, and said to every division department, you have to come up with your own wig that supports the big one and some lead measures, some things that you can actually do. And so there's two or three areas where I thought they're going to struggle with this. And right. operations was one of them. And they nailed it. Might be your best example. It was it was so clear. But so anyway. Yeah. So um, the wig, the the big, you know, the, the goal that's going to, you know, has the potential to change things. And then when you say act on the lead measures, that means part of that process is identifying lead measures and that's that's challenging yeah what they're they, trying to of, figure out what are the things that if we actually do these on the front end it's actually going to create change on the back end yeah will if metaphorically if you think about the team's wig as a rock that has to be moved and the rock's a little too heavy to push and you think about the lead measure like a lever that you've stuck under the rock mm-hmm. Levers can, you know, a lever can be moved where the rock can't be moved. And that's what we mean by influenceable. Like, I can actually move this lever, and then predictive is, yeah, the lever's moving the rock. And if we just keep people focused on that idea, what could we measure Mm -hmm. that would be both something we could do, and it's different by team by team. We've never published. We're sitting on data from 100,000 teams. We've never published leads and lag measures because it's situational. See, one team out of stocks at a grocery store is a lag measure because the team doesn't know what to do to reduce out of stocks. So the lead measures are, are doing checks and counting number of holes in the, in the shelves and things like that. That's, that's their level to move out of stocks. For a more experienced group of grocers, their lag measure is, is revenue or right, right. Or sales. Right? And their lead measure is out of stocks, and they know what to do. They just have to focus on it. So if, to one group of people, out of stocks is influenceable. To another group, it's not. Right. Gosh. Think of a sales group yeah. where one sales force, they know what to do to get first appointments. And yeah, first appointments correlate to new accounts. You give that to another group of salespeople, and they're like, 
I wouldn't be here if I knew how to get first appointments. Mm. <laughs> I'd be out getting first yeah. appointments. But can you have to be honest with yourself? Just because something correlates, and and or is causal even, right. and it's predictive, doesn't mean that the team can influence it. And so it's not until leaders start to have to figure these lead measures out that, in our words, they really start to dial into creating a winnable game for people. One of the things that was compelling and embarrassing you know, in, in the book is the lag measure for so many people that sit at the top of the organization. It's all spreadsheets. Yep. It's, um, it's revenue. It's the stuff we all look at. And it, and by lag, that means it's too late. Right. This year, you know, we, we opened up the president Christmas and didn't <laughs> like it, but it's too late. Right. right. So t- spending the time kind of circling back around, spending the time, especially at the frontline level, and listening up, because one of the things you talk about in the book, and you talked about this morning, this cannot be a top-down right. initiative. A yeah, it's it, because the people on the front line, whether it's sales or guest services or whatever it might be, they know. And you said to our staff today, I thought this was so great, that if the teams discover and begin to experiment with the lead measures, they will be far more compelled and motivated yeah. to— um, change them when they're not working, yes. and to stick with them when they are. But again, um, creating the communication loop within an organization to where everybody is energized in the process, and that's what, we, what we've seen happen here. When we, I didn't walk in and say, "Hey, I'm the boss. Here's what we're going to do." I've read another book with another, <laughs> another strategy. Um, I was to so glad them on the when front. I when I asked Holly, like, where did these come from? Yeah. and she said, "Oh, they came up with them." Yeah. I was just like, my blood pressure just dropped. I thought that's that's exactly yeah. because you know sometimes as leaders we get so caught up that oh, and in this area oh that the metrics have to be right. Well, yeah, but not really. Yeah. If if they own them, they'll fix them. They'll get that's them. What there. I mean. Yeah. If you own them, they'll just do. They'll just come back and say, "Well, it didn't work, boss." Or yeah, they'll they'll or do them, good. and the. the Success for them will be, we did what you compliance. said. It's a compliance Yeah, we did plan. what you said. And it's like, no, no, we need to do what works. And we don't know what works. So go figure it out. So, okay. Number three, uh, the third discipline is keep, and I love this. And I, I love the fact that you love the way we're doing this because I was a little nervous when this went up. <laughs> anyway, number three was keep a compelling scoreboard. And you talk in the, the book, and this morning you talked about the player's scoreboard, the coach's scoreboard, but a compelling scoreboard. Why is that important? What does it look like? If you just stop at discipline one and discipline two, which is the, you know, the finish line is discipline one and discipline two is kind of the thing we're doing to get there. Those are targets and it might be a good bet, but it doesn't do anything. It doesn't go anywhere. It just sits there and looks at you. And you go back into the whirlwind and it's over. Like it won't be, it won't be weeks. They'll, they'll forget in days. Yep. And what we found was it has to go live and it had all the components that seemed involved. And what do you mean by go live? In other words, like, you know, mm-hmm. when like a game goes live. It, oh, okay, gotcha. You're right. And, and, and the, for whatever People reason. People know it started. Yeah, it started. It, it's, yeah. it's on. It's, it's, we're live now. Like, it's on. Mm-hmm. It's not just a, a hypothetical, if we move these metrics, it would move this metric. No, yeah. it's, okay, we're already behind or we're, we're ahead right now. And there was something about a scoreboard, and, it's, and it seems to cut across cultures. It orients you to know, all right, this was the thing. How are we doing it, what we said? And is it getting us the result that we were hoping? And it's like playing out a hypothesis. And people that have 
have been typically maybe uninterested and seemed unengaged in your organization will sometimes get very engaged in this hypothesis, particularly if they inf- if they had something to say right, with it. Right, if they can't help come up with it. Yeah. Right. And it's not your whole operation. You've got a whirlwind. You've got the day job. And, and the way we think about this is sort of like whirlwind plus one. Like, we got to take care of the whirlwind. What's the plus one? The plus one is that wildly important goal and lead mm-hmm. measures translated into a scoreboard. And I can see it. And we say... Um, you know, Andy, you said a second ago, but it's a player's scoreboard. So we noticed that it, it 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 didn't take the form of the way data would be given to a coach at halftime, where somebody hands the coach a list of here's how many times, yeah. here's the turnovers, here's the ratio of of assists to whatever, blah 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 blah. That's not that stuff. It's it's the stuff the players look at, which is. <laughs> it's two numbers. Right. Their score, our score. Yeah, their yeah. score, and score the time, time and left. The clock. Right, right. And right. it's baseball. It's maybe it's maybe hits and runs yeah, and down yeah. and distance. Yep. And there's a, sometimes shots on goal, goals, or, or down and distance and score. And there's just a couple of things we're looking at that orient the team. And it's a it's a different in kind scoreboard. And it's a scoreboard that is accessible, that you keep in front of the team. Yep. If it's a weekly thing like it is for us, it's a weekly scoreboard. Yep. If it's daily. And in the book, and, and it's difficult to do this without... Um, the, the visuals, the visuals. Part, yeah. yeah. But um, again, this was something we weren't sure we could do because of the nature of what we do, which is what every organization says. Thanks. Well, we're an exception. You yeah. know, we that won't work for us. But we came up with uh, the scoreboard, and we look at it every time we have a staff awesome. meeting. And in the weeks that we miss, we send it out so everybody can see. And we're all working off that same simple scoreboard. And again. It's a point of celebration, and it's also a point of, uh-oh, we need to get with it. That's right. And, and it's the first time, and again, we're only rolling this out at one of our sites. Um, it's the first time that I think I've seen this many staff have an em- emotional buy-in to one simple single thing. Because we all have oh. emotional buy-in to our areas, our departments. Yeah. For me, you know what it is? It's Sunday morning, did I deliver well? Yeah. And if I did, I feel great. I mean, right. I don't know what happened with preschool and children, middle school and high school, but I feel good because right. I did my part. Yep. But everybody has that. But to to attach um, some emotion and a pa- and passion to to one idea, this scoreboard has helped us do that. So it's it's a big deal. It was evident in the room too. There was really good. There was a really good vibe um, in the room watching these people uh, talk about it. Yeah. It, can I t- I look at this thing? I know immediately if we're winning or losing, and it's a way of saying we weren't kidding. Like we're doing this for real. We're watching. Yeah. Right. We had one client say, "If we're not keeping score, we're just practicing." Oh wow. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you, you told a story this morning or used kind of an analogy of if you invited someone to come in and watch a game. Remember what you said? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That. I think yeah, that Yeah, it's just powerful. a funny way to put it. One of the things we said is if this works, if the third discipline's working, the, the team knows the score, not just the leader. And, and, and to demonstrate, that sounds like a harsh comment, like, well, if they don't know the score, they're not engaged. Uh, nope. And that sounds hard, but if you th- the, the analogy that we use is, you know, picture someone— calling you into the living room all excited about a game. And you go running into the living room to see what's on the television set, and the first thing you ask them is, what's the score? You're never going to hear, oh, I don't know the score. I, they just seemed excited. I thought you'd like to see this. <laughs> like, like, that's ridiculous, right? right? The but score is what score. makes it exciting. Yeah. Exactly. They yeah. know the score. Yeah. And so one of the things that we did years ago um, is we ask every division and department to come up with the win. That was the language we used years yeah, ago. Right. What's the win? What's the win for preschool? Nice. What's the win for transit? So a one-sentence win. How do you know at the end of the weekend – did we win or did we lose? So we've had this That's language right. from the beginning. We've not had a visual scoreboard for the entire segment or the entire you know um, 
campus. So again, it's some of our the concepts were there, but taking it to this level, it, it's been extraordinary. Okay, uh, discipline number four. Um, is to create a cadence of accountability. Now, I have to be honest on this one. I thought this was kind of goofy, and I was wrong. In fact, when, and I'll let you explain it in a minute, but as I read this, I thought, I don't know. That just seems so, because I am, I am uh, a routine person in some things, but in other things, I just not so much. And I thought, okay, if we're going to do the first three, we're going to do the four. And so we started doing this, and it is— it's not awkward anymore, and it's not goofy anymore, and it's. I look forward to it. So right explain, create a cadence of accountability. So to be specific, it's a meeting held once a week by the members of the team that own the scoreboard with one purpose and one purpose only, and that is for everybody to make and report on commitments they're going to do that are going to move that scoreboard, right? Move that lever. You've heard the expression force against leverage. We're going to apply some energy against that lever. The game, disciplines one, two, and three, sets up the lever. Discipline four is, okay, in addition to the 50 things I got to do this week, what's that one or two things that's going to pull the lever? And I had a funny anecdote. I didn't share this this morning. But the um, big pharmaceutical company, uh, Amgen, the President, huge, huge, yeah, yeah, huge right? yeah, you know, the, right. So one of the divisions of Amgen is really good at 4DX. Like they got it, they got this thing locked and loaded, and they're killing it. And the the president of North America, um, uh, I, I met her. She's from England, and she was visiting this this one group, and she walked in on one of these sessions and didn't know what it was, didn't uh, know them, and it was really interesting to hear about. And she this. probably thought it was goofy. No. Oh, she didn't? Well, put yourself in her <laughs> eyes. So she walks into this meeting, and the first person says, this was my commitment for last week. Here's what my scoreboard looks like. Here's my lead and my lags, and this is my commitment for next week. Sits down, next person, next person, next person, and then they all left the meeting. Yeah, that's what and I mean. She, it's like, wait, y'all didn't, what, what, you didn't discuss anything. There was no agenda, right? seemingly. It's just yeah. over. But it, it just looked like they're so tight. They knew exactly what they were doing. Yep. There was accountability. They didn't waste time. They actually, like, she'd never seen anything like that. And it was funny for me to hear it through the eyes of somebody that had no backstory on what they were looking at. And there were other wow. meetings where you have to do problem solving and brainstorming. Right. But all this is is directing energy. And the thing you realize from watching these is that the nature of these commitments— that is the change in behavior, right? That mm-hmm. those if those commitments don't happen, what really is changing? Right. Nothing. Right? Yeah. Right. But, Let me tell you how serious I took this okay. after I got over the uh, I don't know part. Right. Um, so, and I haven't told you this before. So on Monday, so you know, I, Sunday's game day for us, right? All yeah, day. That's right. We have a four thirty. I don't get home till about six o'clock. I've been up since five. I get up at five. Wow. Sunday morning. So it's long day. I speak three times. All stuff, which is fine. I love what I do. So Monday. I stay home. I get up early. My wife, we go work out with the trainer. Then I work it from home on Monday. I don't get shaved. I just sit on the back porch and just, just catch up. Right on. So when we read the book, and I knew that we needed to do this, I knew because of the rhythm of our organization, Monday is the day. I can't wait okay. till Tuesday. Can't do it Thursday because it's already the, the next weekend the by then. For us, then, here yep. comes Sunday, here comes Sunday. So I told our directional team, I said, okay, I'm going to meet you at a restaurant on Monday morning at 9.15 to do this. And then I'm going back home. I'm not coming into the office because I'll get sucked into the whirlwind right, for sure. Right. But this is so important. I'm going to give up that. That's important time for me, early morning. And 9.15 is not early, but we've gotten up and done other things before that. So I meet them at a restaurant off-site, just our team. We go around wow. the circle. Nice. Keep it short. 
Then we break up. They go back to the office. I go home to finish my wow. Monday routine. But again, that's how important I felt like this was once I understood the process in the book. And um, it's, it's, it's incredible. So I, it's a big deal. I get asked all the time, who misses at this? Like, who, who fails with this stuff? Mm-hmm. And it's an embarrassingly simple answer. And it's leaders that are not willing to model the behavior. It just doesn't. It's like a curse. Yep. If the leader isn't willing to model the behavior, I can't tell you that I can connect all the dots on why it fails, but it does. And, if the, and, yet, and the reverse is just as predictable. If the leader will model the behavior, it will run in the organization. Mm-hmm. And um, there's probably all kinds of good reasons for that yep. that I don't fully understand, yep. but the correlation's undeniable. Yep. All right, so quick review, and then we're going to pick up this discussion next month. Okay. Discipline number one, focus on the wildly important goal. And you say no more than three? Uh, let's, let's talk about that. We're not too concerned at the organizational level. Gotcha. We're very concerned at the frontline level. So at the de- teams at the front line should have no more than one per team at the same time. That makes sense. Organizations come in a lot of different shapes and sizes. Your yep. organization may be a holding company for five groups that are unrelated. So you could have lots of organizational goals. Uh, you know, if you can do what, what, what Andy and what North Point did and get them all aimed at one, that's incredibly powerful. But we're small. so Yeah, and, and it's, not, it's not always applicable. So the, the leaders can direct that discretionary energy anywhere they want, as long as the teams themselves don't have more than one at a time. Gotcha. So pick the one, stick with the build around. Number two is act on the lead measure. So you have to discover the lead measures that move the lag measures, and then there have to be specific behaviors and commitments to those behaviors. Then number three, create the scoreboard and then create a cadence of accountability, which is that weekly or whatever the rhythm of the organization is. You stand in a circle. It's a short meeting. Here's what I said I would do. Here's what I did. What did you do? And then break and (laughs) go back to the world. Force against leverage. You got it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the time we have today. And uh, Chris, again, thank you so much for being here. And thanks so much organizationally for spending the day with us. And to all our listeners, we want to thank you for joining us and invite you to get the book that goes along with the discussion called The Four Disciplines of Execution. The Four Disciplines of Execution. You can find it wherever books are sold. Also, in addition, check out the andystanley.com website where you can find a leadership podcast application to go with today's conversation. And really, do not miss next month's conversation where we will conclude this conversation. We'll see you next time.